The cannabis industry can be very scary and exciting at the same time, but you're not alone. Join the community and understand all the different influential people and ancillary providers who can help you scale and grow your audience and your business. I'm your host, Kamin Tharath. Let's dive into the Cannabis Business Development Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Excited to have our special guest today, Alyssa Nowak, is the CEO and sole founder of Lucky Green Ladies, a social equity woman, family, and LGBTQ marijuana delivery operator. Alyssa has a plethora of experience in the legacy market, which helped her understand consumer needs, as well as the plant, the various varieties, which strains and consumer preferences. She has been a marijuana advocate since 2014. Her desire to become involved in the marijuana industry in Massachusetts has derived from her personal experience. Alyssa strives to be a source of inspiration to other legacy market participants and is committed to giving back to people whose lives were negatively impacted by the war on drugs. So welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me on. It's, it's really cool to do this and, and I'm really excited to share my story and, and hopefully it inspires someone else and yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you. My pleasure. I have three girls, so I think you're an inspiration to, to, to girls and just women everywhere. So, so walk me through kind of like how you got started in the industry. Well, I was kind of a knucklehead when I was younger. I got into a bunch of trouble um, with the law. I was kicked out of my high school in the middle of my senior year because they took my phone away and they saw that I was selling like half ounces to my friends at school. So it was a private school. So, you know, they just kicked me out right then and there. Then I had to go into a new school and make new friends, which was really hard, especially, you know, when you're a senior, especially girls tend to be clicky. So everyone had their set group of friends. So it was really hard to fit in. And I struggled with a lot of anxiety. And I was actually prescribed Xanax from my doctor for that anxiety and kind of similar to the opioid epidemic, you know, when you're prescribed something for legitimate medical needs, and then, you know, that kind of just gets out of hand. That's what happened to me. I started obtaining larger amounts of Xanax on the street and I was addicted and I didn't even know it. So then I got, um, I was arrested in 2019 for a felony possession of Xanax. And that completely changed my life. Yeah, it was a wake-up call. I actually woke up and after I got arrested, I passed out and I woke up in the hospital. I had overdosed. So not only did getting arrested save my life, but it also was a real wake-up call to say like, look, man, what are you doing? Like, you know, wake up. So that's how I got started in that. I finished school. I got a job. I kind of got my life together. And then I worked at Dunkin' Donuts. I started as a cashier. I worked my way all the way to becoming a manager. Uh, and then as a manager, I just really, I recognized how good I was at, you know, making sales and connecting with customers, having a team and managing my employees. So that inspired me to change my master major from industrial organizational psychology to MBA. So then I got my MBA and then the Dunkin' Donuts salary wasn't really cutting it. So I then started a very successful legacy market delivery business. I did that for a few years and kind of really like blew up in that space. But then, you know, all good things come to an end because then I was again arrested. Like they call them seshes, but it's pretty much like a farmer's market where everyone in the legacy market sells weed. So I sold to an undercover cop there. 
And then, yeah, it was in the newspapers and stuff. It was really embarrassing, but that actually qualified me for the social equity program. And then, you know, having a felony on my record and now getting arrested for distributing marijuana, my self-confidence was really, really low. I was like, yo, I'm going to work at Dunkin' Donuts forever. And I'm never going to like, you know, branch out and own my own business. And I just really had like a low self-esteem. So then going into the social equity program, like, you know, what, I'm going to make the best of this. So I just started talking to people as much as I could participating in class. And that's where I met Caroline Frankel from Caroline's Cannabis. She's my mentor and she's been amazing to me. She helps me with so much stuff. You know, any questions that I have, she's always there for me. So I met a lot of good people there. And then I just kind of um, did my research and started approaching towns and yeah, then I got into the Norton market where I am now. Looking back to where I started to where I am now, it's almost amazing to me, like how much my life has changed, you know, so the, I'm so grateful to the social equity program and the Massachusetts Cannabis Control Commission, because, you know, without me, I, I would have never been able to be in, in that position that I am now. So it's kind of where I got started. Well, we got a lot to unpack here. That was yeah, it's a uh, bit I'm going to break story. up because I, I think some listeners, very interesting journey. And I, I want people to learn from this journey in this conversation we're having. So I'm going to back up a few things. So when it comes to Dunkin' Donuts, I have like this huge respect for people that work at Dunkin' Donuts because just like crazy how they do this stuff. Right. So like what skill set did you learn in Dunkin' Donuts? It's just like, it's just so fast moving. You're dealing with, with people who haven't had their coffee. Right. So that's a whole nother beast of its own. Right. But like, I just feel like I don't think I could do a job at Dunkin' Donuts. You know, I feel like I work pretty fast and I'm pretty organized. And, and I worked growing up, I, I worked in hospitality. I waited t- tables and I was a server and I bust. So um, what were some of the big takeaways that you got from Dunkin' Donuts? Well, you hit a few on the head, you know, definitely having to work in a really fast paced environment, serving people their coffee you know, when it's the first thing in the morning is challenging as well, because, you know, some people need the coffee to start their day. Uh, but I would also say that the discipline and, you know, having to wake up, I've worked all shifts. So I worked overnights before the opening shift, midday closing, mainly though, having to wake up at three or four in the morning, every single day was tough. And as well as working six days a week, you know, way more than 40 hours is tough when you're working that fast and you want to make sure that you get everything correctly, like their, you know, coffee orders, sandwich orders, and you don't want to make any mistakes for anybody. So I would just say working really fast, being disciplined, showing up to work, and then having your employees show up to work. And the main thing I guess I should say would be the customer service skills. You know, you're forced to be happy and and peppy to the customers at four in the morning, which is hard, you know? to be able to put a smile on your face and, and, and be happy and get their order correctly and move as quickly as you can. So that's definitely where I learned a, a lot of my customer service skills and people skills as well. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for, for doing that and, and putting up with so many people. <laughs> I loved it though. I loved it. So one thing I, I want my, my kids to do, and I was telling my wife, this is like, I, I think they really need to learn how to wait tables. I think that that whole aspect of like customer service, is just a, a soft skill that just needs to be experienced and learned. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. 
I took a lot of those skills that I learned at Dunkin' Donuts and then applied that in the legacy market. You know, usually in the legacy market, people like some of your dealers, I should say, are like kind of grouchy. Oh, you'll get it when you get it. Work on my schedule and stuff. But I really took that to the next level because I was all about the customers, like in my business, you know, I would put my customers before anything. I would like, break my back for them, make sure that they had anything they needed. If they weren't happy with something, I would return it. And I just kind of transferred some of those skills that I learned in Dunkin' Donuts to the legacy market and was extremely successful with it. So um, I'm really glad that I had that experience from Dunkin' still with me now. Awesome. So it sounds like you've been through a lot of challenges. Some people call them failures. I like to call them lessons. Can you share with us some of the, maybe like two or three of like the failures that you've gone through, what happened and the lesson from it? And I love that because I kind of never consider something a failure. I always consider it a lesson because, you know, yes, you may have failed at something, but you're always taking lesson away with it. So it's a great way to think about things. But for me, I would say I did go for a, a retail establishment in the town of Morton and I lost to actually my old boss at Dunkin' Donuts, which is a pretty small world, right? And then another larger company, but I put a lot of work into it and time and money and, and effort. So I was just really disappointed that I didn't get that. So I would say that that would be a failure of mine. And then another one I would say probably when I got arrested. I mean, I talked about that earlier, but you know, it saved my life. But till this day, it happened in 2014. I still have a felony conviction on my record and that almost made me not suitable for licensure with the Cannabis Control Commission. So, you know, what I learned from that was that I shouldn't have been fooling around so much. And I guess I should have recognized that I had a problem, but I mean, I'm the kind of person that never looks at the coulda, shoulda, wouldas. No, it happened. It is what it is. Now I'm going to take what I learned from that and move forward. No one can predict the future, right? And then I made many mistakes in my life too growing up. And I think sometimes you got to feel the pain to remember it, you know, and some people that's how they operate a little bit better because it's either pressure, pain, or, or fear mm -hmm. to get people to, to, to hopefully not do that again. Yeah, um, <laughs> definitely. I agree. What's one thing you wish you knew before you be began your career? Hmm. I guess I wish I knew that, that this was coming for me, that this was possible. I mean, I definitely wouldn't have made so many mistakes if I knew I had such a promising future. Since I made those mistakes, I started really looking down on myself and, you know, just saying, well, oh, I'm a piece of crap. I, I just, I'm very hard on myself. So I would just kind of looked down on myself and didn't think that I could be anything or anyone. So I would definitely like to tell myself back then that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and that, you know, if you work hard, that good things can come and that if you stay focused, you can turn your life around and, and be the person that you want to be. 100%. So, so what's the favorite thing about the cannabis business that you like? The favorite thing for me is that being able to serve legal products to consumers and it makes them happy. I mean, for me, I genuinely believe in the power of the plant. I think that marijuana is one of the best, most therapeutic and, and medicinal things out there. Um, it really has a lot of natural effects that can really help people and make them happy. So the 
my favorite thing is just being able to share that with people, you know, delivering to them, bringing them happiness. I think like Amazon says like happiness to your doorstep. But for me, I, I really believe that that's true because I get happy when I pick up cannabis, you know? So I think that that's my favorite thing, bringing that to the customers, helping them out and spreading the love, I should say. And on the flip side of that, like, what do you feel is like the least favorite thing about the industry? Unfairness and inequity, how like big multi-state operators pretty much came in at the beginning of the regulated market in Massachusetts and has taken over um, and pretty much shut out the little guys and made it almost impossible. And so you can grasp your head around that because it, it was hard for me to even understand at first. But they actually did when town municipalities, you know, set forth their zoning these companies actually went in and because the zones are pretty small, they went in and bought almost all of the properties in the zone. So not only like they made it impossible for other people to get involved, even if they weren't using that property, they still own it so that no one else can have it. And I think that that's the hardest challenge, not only for smaller business owners, but for anybody to get into the cannabis industry is finding real estate and uh, finding a location and, and properties in the zone because, you know, they snatched it all up in the beginning and made it really hard for anybody else to, to get in. So that's probably the thing I don't like about it is, you know, the big money and the larger operators that kind of play unfairly. So what type of advice, Alyssa, would you give to someone who's like, okay, I, I can't find real estate right now. What do I do? I would just say to never give up and always keep on checking. Another great thing is actually how I found my location was going out there and door knocking. So a lot of times, and especially in smaller towns too, they're not always posting commercial real estate either for sale or for rent online. But if you actually go there and just drive around, even knocking on people's doors, even if it's a house that they're living in and say, listen, are you interested in moving? Are you interested in, you know, renting me your house or your business for this to open a marijuana business? You know, that's a big one, a suggestion of mine, because a lot of times, you know, people may not were thinking about it before, but now they're, you know, like, hey, that sounds like a good idea. And then as well, sometimes smaller business owners put for sale signs or for rent signs outside of their building, but they don't post it online. So that's another great way and another great benefit of going out and actually door knocking is, you know, open yourself up to that and, and see what's out there. So I would definitely suggest that and also never give up and make contacts with the people in, at your town too, because if they like you and, and they know something pops up in town, they may reach out to you and say, hey, this property just went up for sale or we noticed a for rent sign outside, you know? So definitely make connections with those people as well. Wow, it's actually like really out of the box thinking, but being really resourceful as well, it sounds like is what you had to do. Yeah, definitely, definitely have to. So there are, of course, challenges in the industry. It's starting to get saturated. But what, what do you see the potential is with the industry? I see the potential being for smaller people like myself to get involved. And I think that people, at least some customers, are going to want to stop going to larger corporate cannabis companies and then purchase cannabis with a purpose. And what I mean by that 
is purchasing cannabis from someone that has an inspiring story, you know, that makes them feel good, almost like social responsibility, you know? So I think that, yes, the market is getting saturated, but I think that delivery is a great aspect because especially with the pandemic, and I know this is true for myself, I pretty much get everything delivered to my house. I like never leave anymore, you know, if I don't have to. So I think that delivery is a great step. And I love that the commission gave the three-year exclusivity period for people um, in the economic empowerment and social equity program so that it gives the smaller guys an opportunity to make something for themselves and and to have an opportunity to be just successful. So I think that people are going to really start, you know, seeing the truth, I should say, and start supporting people with great stories and and people that you want to support, you know, small business owners. Yeah, we talk about like brand positioning all the time to our clients and, and basically it's storytelling, right? I mean, you hear about it, but a lot of people don't focus on it. And I really feel like that is what differentiates some brands that do better because a lot of times organically, they're just getting a following and they, they're, they're just telling this authentic story, but they're also doing social proof because they don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. They're out there doing it with the community or they're proving that they're giving back or whatever their purpose is. So like, tell me a little bit about kind of like, what is your your brand story? Like, how did you stand out amongst other folks who are, you know, maybe saying they're doing something similar? Let me start off by saying that most people that are buying cannabis on the regulated market have at some point in their life purchased cannabis on the legacy market. So I think that for me, I connect with them because I'm not just some businesswoman that knows nothing about cannabis or the plant. And then I'm trying to sell you something, you know, I've actually probably met you in a parking lot, let's five years ago, you know, I, I know the roots of cannabis. I've been through that and I'm here to show you and deliver to you the best cannabis that I can and with a great story. And I would say that really my story is just inspiring because, you know, I did get arrested. I did sell cannabis on the legacy market and now I work really hard and I'm able to provide that to people in the regulated market. And some of my customers from my legacy market, they follow me online and they're like, oh my God, I would love to support you. You know, as soon as you get open, let me know because I want to be your first customer. And I think that people like that, you know, that people just really like that. And I think that that's what makes me stand out is that I'm from the roots of cannabis. I've been around forever in the market. Let's legacy or regulated, you know, I'm not new to the game. And I think that that not only prepares me to run this type of business successfully. But, you know, I also have a lot of knowledge, not only about cannabis and and the different strains, but also about the customers and what they want, you know, fast delivery, customer service, great product, good prices. I understand that. So I think that's what really makes me different from others. Yeah. It's a hands-on experience that you, you bring to the table. And I think that that's fabulous. Cause like People can talk about customer service and knowledge about the product, but the fact that you have experience and you can really speak to it confidently, leverage all that and just put it out there and put it out there as often as you can, because people need to hear the story over and over. Sometimes like you still hear these same stories from like Nike and Coca-Cola because it needs to keep living. You know, this, you got next generation. So I think a lot of businesses, they, they don't focus enough on their brand message, which is really their core values and their culture and who they are. Like how often do you focus on your message? 
all the time. We're actually creating my website now. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with Caroline's site, but I love the way that she brands her business. It's kind of, you know, all around her and her family and like her face is like the brand of the business and her whole model about being kind. And that's kind of what I'm going for on my website. Um, I'm going to have a lot of pictures of me. I'm trying to stay away from the medical white lab coat looking vibe, you know, like I want people to feel comfortable and relaxed. And then on the main page of my website, I'm going to have a picture of me and my story and what I went through. And not only I'm hoping to get my brand message out there for customers and business purposes, but I'm also hoping that it inspires somebody else. Because if I had somebody that said to me, I used to be in a really bad place before and I worked hard and I turned my whole life around, like that would be so inspiring to me. And and I would really look up to that. So that's what I'm hoping to be able to do for other people too, and really give back in my plan for a positive community impact. One of the things that I'm offering is a 50 hour course yearly for people that have been negatively impacted by the war on drugs. And that may be in the legacy market now, but are really inspired by me and want to make the transition to the legal market. So um, I think that giving them that knowledge and just that little um, ounce of inspiration could really help somebody else. And I think that, you know, putting my story out there, again, not only could be great for business, but could also really help somebody else. And, and if that could do that, then I would be so happy. Well, that's amazing. And, and I think the best way, if you can do it, do a video. Like I, I really tell people like video just has a whole nother level because like hearing you speak here, Alyssa, and then just having the words on the site. If you do a video, I think that really gets the message across, you know, to hear your passion behind it, to put it on your homepage and even put it out on social as often as you can. Yeah, so, I love that. Thank you for the recommendation. You can even do it on your cell phone. Like a lot of people, they, they try to like do this high production stuff. And I get like w- when you're starting out, you're bootstrapping, right? Like every dollar matters. And since we know during the pandemic, a lot of folks are kind of more accepting to like low production, which, which we call like, like loom, like zoom videos Mm -hmm. or cell phones. And there's a lot of free tools to edit. Like they make it so easy for people to produce video and put like your logo on there. So just produce a lot of videos of you telling your story, even if it's like 30 seconds or 10 seconds, like that type of content will really get your brand going. And then people start sharing it and the rest just kind of falls into place. I love that. I actually didn't ever think of that. That's really a great idea. Thank you. It it was hard even for me. Like sometimes I schedule it, but it's like, you have to treat it like part of your business plan. So you have to (laughs) schedule it and do it. I don't like to talk about myself. I know a lot of my clients don't, right? But think about it. If you don't talk about and present and share your brand, who's going to do it? No, you're right. You're hundred percent right. Even like social media, I, on a personal side, I don't put a lot of, of social media, but on the business side, like, again, no one's going to know your business, what you do and how you help people, unless you put it out there, you have to create the content and put it out there. But if you can't do video, like do a picture and like just summarize the post. But this is something that we're super passionate about. And I try to say like, if you can just do anything, take your cell phone, shoot video, post it. Don't even worry about making it look good. People just care about what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. It almost makes me think of like, you know, how TikToks are so popular now and, and what are those are only like 10 second, 15 second videos. But just from that little snippet, you know, it has the opportunity to go viral and not saying that I think that, you know, my business will go viral. I hope, but 
Um, I don't want to be too overconfident, but uh, yeah, that's a really great point. I actually really like that. Thank you. You're welcome. And, and, and don't chase being viral. I think everyone's trying to chase that as like, do what you're doing now. You're totally, I can tell like you're yourself and you have confidence in yourself and that's all that matters and just put it out there and then the rest will fall into place. Yeah, and don't give up, like just keep doing it. Cause a lot of people will do it for a few months and they stop because they didn't see enough engagement or they didn't see sales. And it's like, it's not about the sales. Mm-hmm. Sales will happen, but you have to put the work in. Like everything that you're doing to start your business, you got to put your work in, right? So put your work mm-hmm. in and, and doing the marketing activities, which is just, telling your story and the rest of it will mm-hmm. fall into place. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's what I hope just to get my story out there, you know? And that's why we do this podcast, but we know that by ha- helping you being on a guest here, it's, it's a way to share your story. And you know, we give you the videos and you put it out there. We just want to help everyone hear and meet all these unbelievable people who come from all different walks of life. Cause it gives people opportunity, inspiration, like you said, like you can do this too. Cause I did it. And I heard you say you have a course. So tell me about that. What is that? Like, is it completely done? Like ready to go live or like, how did you come about to this and what is it? No, it's not done yet. I probably won't start that until a few months after I'm operational just to, you know, get comfortable with my business, make sure that everything's all set on that end. But what inspired me to do that was actually the social equity program, because the social equity program really, really helped me out so much. So it's pretty much just, I can't name every topic now, but you know, pretty much like 10 topics, all about business, how to write a business plan, reading the regulations, how to approach towns, knowing the towns, either ordinances or bylaws, you know, doing meetings, helping people uh, present, because that's one thing that I definitely struggled with as well when approaching the towns and having people in front of these boards, you know, I was super nervous at first. So just helping people do that. And then, you know, once they do get a little bit farther along in the process, their SOPs, help them create those and tailor them to each person's business, help them with accounting. My dad's an accountant. So I've asked him if he would do a course on that. And then we'll do a little thing on marketing. We'll bring in somebody for that and then, you know, send them on their way, but keep the communication always open. Once the course is completed, I'm not just going to say, okay, never see you again, never talk to you again, bye. You know, I want to keep the connection open and just kind of like what Caroline's done to me, you know, at the beginning, of course, she helped me so much, but now I'm at the point where I'm kind of doing it on my own. I don't need her as much, but you know, things still come up and, you know, I have to text her, Hey, Caroline, what does this mean? Or what do I do for this? And she's great with that. And and that's what I want to do for other people as well. Because I think when someone doesn't have anyone to bounce ideas off of, or, you know, get advice on things, then either they'll just put it off and not do it, or they'll make a mistake and, and put the wrong thing. And like confidence can get really down from that. So I definitely want to like continue to help people. And I'll be doing those classes once a year too. It's 50 hours, but it's split up. I think I'm doing them like four hours for a few weeks until it's done for a couple of weeks. And then we'll do a next one the next year. So really excited to do that. Actually, it's um, I've kind of like, just can't wait to get on with it because it's just really exciting. That's awesome. You're paying it forward, right? You're giving it back. But I think people having a chance to kind of learn through your experience like that's huge because it's still fairly new here in the east coast i think people are still trying to navigate how to start a business so that's awesome can't wait please come back on the show when you have the program running and kind of want to hear progress on it so you mentioned that was inspired by the social equity program Mm -hmm. can you share your experience what was it like the program 
I just want to give a, can you hear the word everywhere? A lot of people are talking about this topic, mm-hmm. right? But like, if you can share like kind of some details, just insights of what it is, like, how did it help you? What was it like? The length? That'd be great. Yeah. So I was in the first cohort, so it's been a couple of years now, but pretty much there was similar to my course that I'm going to be offering people. I believe it was 10 or 15 courses, different topics, and we had different professors for each one. So like, for example, for the business plan, how to create a business plan, we had someone that that was their area of expertise come in and talk with us. Usually the classes would be Um, about two to four hours long, depending on, you know, what the topic was, what the commission actually taught two of the classes. Then we had a whole section on security and security compliance and plans. Then they hired in somebody to actually come from Texas who does a lot of big grows and securing a lot of big retail stores out West to come and talk to us about that. So I thought that that was really cool. And Then they had a lot of the courses at Babson College, which I actually applied to Babson College for a master's in entrepreneurial studies, I believe, but I didn't get accepted. So just being in that space really inspired me. Like I felt like I almost belonged, you know, even though I didn't get accepted to the program. So it just made me believe in myself. I'm not going to bash the commission or that program at all because it was amazing. And obviously, you know, There's only a limited amount of resources to give to people, but I would say for me personally, the class was just the tip of the iceberg. And then I took the knowledge that they gave to me in the class. And then I would like go home and review my notes, you know, go online, look up things that I didn't understand, reach out to my professors constantly and do a lot of my own work and a lot of my own networking there was really great for networking as well. So you know, no one can be perfect. And I'm sure that my class isn't going to be perfect as well. Like, you know, spoon feed, how to get a license because it just doesn't work like that. But it definitely gave me the confidence and it inspired me and it gave me just enough knowledge where I was able to go out and do my own work and and figure out how it's going to go. I want to get insight in like how you tick here, Alyssa, right? So you said you went home, you did notes, I remember when I was in college, I would wait last minute before like doing those. And I'll always be the guy like staying up late, taking my exams, still was able to get by, but that was probably not the best process. Everyone has their own process. I, I guess I work well under pressure, but like, so how do you stay organized? Like there's so many moving things, especially like being an entrepreneur and running a business and trying to take these courses. I mean, there's so many hats and moving pieces. Like, like what's your routine like every day to like stay organized and just like get stuff done? So I'm still an early riser since uh, (laughs) Dunkin' Donuts, you know, has kind of molded me to wake up early. I can't help it. Even if I want to sleep in, I cannot do it, which I I hate about myself, but whatever. But I get up early, probably around six. I make a to-do list every week. I have like a little notepad. So I try to fill out every single line. And even if there's nothing to do, I try to just do something to make myself busy because I hate sitting around and doing nothing. So I go through my to-do list and I just check things off. And when I check things off that list, it feels so good. It's just like little mini accomplishments, you know, even if that's just returning an email or, you know, speaking with someone on the phone, like to me, that's something that I did and I checked it off my list. So just constantly knowing what you have to do, writing it down and then checking it off the list to like keep yourself accountable for it. And I just try to always be proactive too. Like I was kind of similar in school as you were, like I would wait till the last minute to do everything. And I was also working full-time at Dunkin' Donuts and sometimes overnight. So I was really busy with work and I couldn't put as much time as I should have into my studies. 
But now that I've graduated school and this is the only thing that I'm working on, I'm out of the legacy market now. I'm like, I just want to be really proactive and get things done so that I'm not rushing at the last minute to do everything. And I just think that if you keep yourself really organized and you just kind of keep like taking one step at a time and like prodding along, you'll eventually get to your goal at the end. And it won't even be that stressful because if you're running around at the last minute and unorganized and just trying to like throw things together, then not only is it that stressful for you, but the customer can see that too, you know? So I just try to be really proactive about things and get them done and Also, like, I'm glad that I did that because now after I got my provisional license, it opened up a lot of more doors as far as like special permits. I had to start looking into like the marketing and my website creation and the different online software companies that I'm going to go with. And I learned so much. I'd never been in those spaces before this whole time. I had just been trying to get my license, get my license, get my license. That like, after I had got my license, I almost felt lost. I called up Caroline and I'm like, okay, well, what do I do next? Because I'm like, I worked so hard to get to this one point. And then once that one point was over, I almost didn't know what to do. So now it's like opened me up into a whole bunch of things. And now I'm so busy. I'm in like meetings every single day, all day. And I love it. I love talking to people. I love learning about the different things because there's so many different business. I don't know how to say this, but like almost like aspects that go into like making this one cannabis business. There's so many things that you have to think of and worry about. Um, and do for your business. And it's just it's a lot to keep on your plate. But that, I think that writing things down and just trying to stay as organized as possible and taking one step at a time is definitely the way that I do it. Right on. Yeah. And then I'm glad that you actually like to, to be in meetings and kind of, I call it could be organized chaos, but you know, once you prioritize your day, which just sounds like what you do, that's, and yeah, I, I think everyone likes that checkoff thing. It's like a dopamine <laughs> hit, you know, <laughs> even like the, you do got to celebrate the little wins or else, cause if you don't reflect back, then you realize later, like, wow, I actually accomplished a lot of stuff today or over the week. So kudos to you for, for staying organized, but your list and things like that. And yeah, like, you know, I, I was never really good in finance. So like I had to learn it, but eventually I got to a point where you hire a team to do it. Marketing, you're learning marketing. So like there's so many layers to your point to like running a business and then you get exposed to it. And then there's like so many other people you don't realize that you need around you to help you. And that's the one thing that I also with this podcast is that we want to interview other people like, well, who do you need around you to support you to kind of grow? We never realize like sometimes this one person actually makes a huge impact. You don't need a, a huge department or company. It's all these little nuances. So you, you mentioned Caroline, your mentor. Mm-hmm. Where does your mentor fit in like your day-to-day operations, just like your growth? What would you recommend to people when it comes to having a mentor? I think that I leaned on her way more in the beginning of the process than I do now um, because I like I said I'm kind of on my own two feet now but before I was really dependent on her and when we would be in the social equity program going over financial not projections but how much everything was going to cost like for the business and Caroline was giving us like real numbers like oh you know you're gonna have to spend this much money to get your website created and it's going to cost this much money to do this and you know I was like oh my god this is gold like this is amazing I felt like like she just shared so much real insight and knowledge because at the time of the social equity program, she had her business open. So everyone in the program like really looked up to her. We actually ended up bonding because we were put in, I don't live in Worcester County. I live in Norfolk County, but almost 
really close to Worcester County. So they split it up by what county you are. And there was only three people um, in the Worcester County class. It was me, Caroline, and somebody else. We just got really close that way. But then we merged with all the other counties as the program goes on. And once we merged with all the others, the other people in the class were like, okay, well, I know you. So like, let's sit next to each other, you know? So in the beginning, I definitely um, leaned on her a lot more. She really helped me with my SOPs. She would show me all of her presentations that she did to her town boards. And then she told me too, another great thing that I still do to this day is like, she said, record yourself giving the presentation and then watch it over and over and over and over again. And then, you know, that way, not only will you master the material that you're presenting, but to also feel really comfortable on it and you won't make any mistakes when speaking and it'll just be really fluent. So in the beginning, she definitely helped me a lot more. She's still around. I actually just talked to her yesterday, like I'm filling out a banking application and I had a question on it and she's just so great. She always gets back to me and, and I would say for other people that are looking for a mentor, reach out to the social equity program and look for other social equity owners, business owners, because they are out there and I'm sure they would be more than happy to help. And the commission did put out 2019. I'm not sure if they still do it, but if anybody needs it, please feel free to reach out to me. They gave a list out of all the companies and businesses and people that are willing to help social equity participants, whether that be through pro bono services, discounted services, or even just mentorship help. And I think that that's amazing that the commission does that because I literally reached out to every single person on that list. Even if I didn't need their services, I was just like, want to introduce myself. Thank you so much for offering these services to us, you know? Just to put yourself out there and you never know who you're going to stumble upon or who you're going to build relationships with. And I really recommend doing that to anybody. Wow. You right there saying that, like, that's a difference I really feel compared to other people who don't take that action. You tackled that and took an approach that's very different from other people because people get lists. I mean, you can be resourceful. You can get information. You can talk to people, but you took it further. You took all this action. You just called everyone on the list. (laughs) Some people would just call like two or five or 10, right? But you were like, you know what? I'm just call everyone. That says a lot about you. It's just the way you just tackle and just go all in. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, why not? I mean, they're, they're giving us these resources. Like, why not take full advantage of it, you know? Now, the community itself, I feel like it's really tight and small with the cannabis community. So like, how do you give back to the community? Like, what is it that you do or your brand, your company's doing to get back to the community? We haven't started giving back yet. I mean, that's wrong. I shouldn't say that because if anybody reaches out to me and asks questions like, Hey, I see that you're in the cannabis industry and I really want to get involved. I am more than available to help people and tell them, okay, well, you know, this is the first step. Then after that, do this, then come back to me and we'll go over it. You know, what's to come. But I think that mainly what I'm going to do is uh, my way of giving back is going to be the classes and not only, you know, because I'm sure that the classes will be a limited amount. I can't teach the whole entire state, but I'm always available to help anybody. And I'm so grateful because I did have somebody like Caroline and I almost just want to do that same thing for other people. 
anybody needs help or if anybody has a question, even if you're another business owner, you know, and, and you're like, oh, hey, I wanted some advice on this. Like, please reach out to me. And if I don't have the answer, I'll find somebody who does. That's what I just think that I really want to help people and inspire people. Be a business owner like myself. And, and even if it's not cannabis, I want to inspire people that maybe had bad backgrounds and past to just follow your dreams, follow your passions and just don't give up. Um, and if I can help someone in any way be better than they are today, then that's how I sleep at night. Like that makes me really happy. So we'll definitely be doing more giving back when I'm open, but right now I've been like in meetings every single day. So, <laughs> and I'm sure it won't be like this forever. You know, I'm just trying to proactively get everything done so I'm not scrambling at the last moment. Yeah. Planning. A lot of it's like planning and strategy first, but then you can execute with a clear plan. So I know it sounds like you like the details and you seem like, you know, your routine, you're planning all the time, right? So hopefully that should set you up for success, you know, and through all the different challenges you've had in your life, I wouldn't be surprised. Like you're not scared of any curveballs coming at you. So <laughs> you got to tackle it. And that's what, you know, entrepreneurship and just doing what you're doing is, and especially in this space, it's, you know, things are changing all the time. So another potential owner like yourself, Alyssa is like unsure, maybe losing some confidence. Like what's the best advice you can give them? Never give up. And even when things seem so hard and you take a step forward, but then something comes at you and it puts you 10 steps back, do not give up. There have been times where I've literally shed tears over this process and have like cried and been so upset and like down in the dumps, you know, for a few days, just laying on the couch, like struggling to even get up because I was just so bummed out. But I can promise you that it does get better if you don't give up. And even if a, a real curveball, I should say, comes at you and, you know, because sometimes you lose your location or sometimes your investor backs out. Like, even if it's something like major like that, again, do not give up because things get better and people will see too. They'll say like, Hey, like you just went through something like major that really set you back, but here you are again, like you didn't give up. And that may inspire somebody else to say, you know what? I have a friend or I have a property that I can rent to you, or I know an investor, you know, like once you don't give up, like that can open other doors for you. So I would definitely tell people like, again, just do not give up. Even if you have to take like one or two days to collect yourself, that's fine. But you get back out there, even if it's so hard and really push yourself. So. Thank you. I really appreciate all the time and, and, and knowledge and experience that you shared with your story today, Alyssa. So an opportunity for us to hear more about what you're working on. So like, let us know. So what are you working on now? Like what projects or let's get some brand awareness to what you're up to. <laughs> So we just received our provisional license from the Cannabis Control Commission at the end of January. In my town, Norton, in our bylaw, we can't apply for our special permit until we have the provisional license. So we have actually our special permit hearing tomorrow. So we're hoping to get our special permit, which then we'll have to get our building permit, and then we'll start build out on our facility. Once the facility's built out, we can 
request a post-provisional inspection from the Cannabis Control Commission, and they'll come and they'll inspect the facility and they'll inspect our vehicles. We've already purchased our first vehicle and we're fitting it up now, so that's pretty exciting news. And then, yeah, once we get that inspection, hopefully get our final license, start purchasing product from people, and then we're hoping to be open anytime between like August and, and October. So what I've been doing now is just mainly my website, my branding. Further on the website, I've been also been talking to a few ordering software companies so like Betchy or iHeartGene to be able to figure that out once my website is developed. Can't wait to see you open. Want you to come back and tell your story uh, further once you open. So again, thank you so much for your time today and, and all, all the stuff that you're doing and you know, wishing you uh, the best of luck. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you again for having me on. I'm so glad to tell my story. It was a really good experience and, and I hope to be back soon after post operation. So thanks again. Thanks for spending your time with us. This podcast is for you. And if you have any topics you'd like to learn more about or suggestions, please email us at podcast at indicativemarketing.com. And don't be a stranger. Connect with me on LinkedIn.